Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I will be your host once again for today's episode. Thank you for joining me. On the show this week, I have Noah Alhamad joining me. Noah is a local shop owner here in the Twin Cities. He's a listener of the podcast and a friend of mine. Uh, we've done some work together, hung out together. Uh, he's a good guy. Um, he's going to share on the podcast uh, his journey coming up in the industry, how he got to uh, owning a shop. Uh, some of the struggles uh, you know, that we've both faced in the automotive industry. Uh, and we're also going to talk about investment, not only in tooling, um, but also in yourself, uh, why it's important, what you can do, and what the return is on that. So a uh, great conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. Hopefully you will as well. But with that out of the way, let's jump in. So I'm, um, I'm considering what it would take in order to do these podcasts with video. I know it'll be extra work, but uh-huh. I also know that there's a much bigger audience on YouTube and I don't know, there's other ones out there, other video streaming uh, services, but like there's definitely a wider range of audience or bigger audience to be had if I had video up but what that what is that going to entail like i could get it set up on my end pretty easily i mean I've, i'm just for i got my camera on right now and i can record that but then for the other person it would be like one extra step and that so i don't know i'm thinking about it but i'm not really sure it, it's more it's more editing and stuff too of course um but yeah i don't know might do that we'll do see I haven't looked, but uh, I know ASOC does has the episode on just audio on the YouTube. Do you have yours as audio on YouTube too, or you don't have that yet? I do. I have a YouTube channel, and I have roughly half of my episodes up where it's okay. just audio only, and a couple of them I included some pictures of what I'm talking about. Um, okay. And yeah, not a whole lot of you know people are subscribed to those because you can get the same thing through a podcast app, but if there was video of it, I feel like maybe attract a few more people to watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would say, I think a lot more uh, professionals are actually like listening to you, you know, just because we can picture what you're doing in a way, you know? Yeah. And I that's think that, true. And I think that YouTube will might. Okay. Let me tell you this. Okay. Do you, you ever heard a guy named blue collar Kyle? I haven't. Okay. So this guy uh, does body work. Okay. okay. And I find him randomly on Snapchat. And then all of a sudden his page blew up. Now, you know, he's he's a, a content creator, like where it shows up. On, I don't know if you have Snapchat or not. But like when you get a bunch of views, whatever, you move to the bottom. Like you're not like a regular friend anymore, or whatever, because you have many subscribers and many viewers. And on top of that, he's got a YouTube uh, uh, channel and all that. And uh, the thing about him is a lot of people are even more interested in the auto body industry, whatever, you know, 
some say like kind of like through him because they get to see it real life. He's, he uses these uh, Snapchat glasses and he took out the lenses and put regular safety lenses on it, whatever. And they got the little cameras with it. So it oh. just records him literally working every day from sanding to grinding to uh, pulling frame and all that. Yeah, you know? that's yeah, crazy. So I, yeah, so what I'm trying to get with this because like uh, if you could show a little bit, uh, even like you know, like your regular podcast, but maybe have pictures or whatever or wiring diagrams that you could trace, you know, for those who are beginners or are still you know new, I, I think they'll uh, they'll enjoy that more, you know, because I mean, not a lot of people do programming on on YouTube. I'm sure right. there is, but it's mostly diag and stuff. Uh-huh. So I, I think your page will get a lot of hits, man. Yeah. So I got to strap out like a GoPro on my head or yeah. something while I'm going around to these cars. <laughs> I, I know, right? Even if one. Yeah. You know, the, uh, uh, Jake Barnes, uh, he just, uh, I think he just started a, a YouTube channel. Okay. And, and his thing is pretty neat. He did a few modules. I got really excited. I'm like, oh, thank God. He <laughs> MCU's it. That's all I want to know about. Nice. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. you'd see some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, there's the the cool stuff, the modules and the programming, the diagonal. But you go into some of these shops and uh, some of these places or or something else. I was working on a car um, in the shop, and it's it's Vietnamese owned, which I, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But uh-huh. I am working, and the guy is kind of like around the vehicle where I just can't see him. But I hear just like water or a, a liquid streaming, like just like, you know, like liquids falling from one spot to another. I was like, oh, what's that? And I look around the corner and dude's just pissing into the floor oh drain, like right God, there in the middle of the I shop. Swear. <laughs> and, uh. and hey, I get it. Like, I'm a guy. I pee outside. I've have peed in a sink if I have to, you know, like I'll do that. But it's just, it was, I, I didn't expect it like right in the shop setting, oh, but that was just his normal God. thing. And I mean, they had a bathroom. Like <laughs> I've used it before, but he's just like, yep, there we go. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was a little surprised by that. I'm like, oh, all right. All right. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Uh, did you at least yell at him? Or you no, I, hey, do your thing, man. You gotta go. You gotta go. I, I, I get uh, it. But, uh, uh, just, uh, there's, there's different, there's different levels of, of shops and different etiquette and different places, you know? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. I'm trying to get that. I remember I told you, um, I'm trying to, uh, Get rid of the whole other side. Yeah. So I can stop thinking about fucking doing the huge, big jobs, whatever. I'll still mm-hmm. have the, uh, I call my uh, my dead hoist. That's the one in the back, you know? You know, okay. when you come into the shop, there's two hoists, one in front of the other. Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep the one in the back, like a dead hoist, you know, for those interesting big jobs, you know, something that's worth it, you know? Yeah. Not like a, not like a Toyota Camry engine room. Like, come on, dude. I've already <laughs> been here. <laughs> you know? yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere uh, I, where you can pull it in, you don't have to move it in and out every single day, and it's not in the way of the rest of the work. Yeah, so as soon as that other shop, once I you know I clear all that stuff, I'm gonna uh, take all my equipment and put it on the other side, and I'll try to epoxy the floor and make it all look nice and stuff, you know, shiny. I might redo the office again, you know. Okay, it just sucks because like I'm renting, you know, and that's the thing. Like, fuck, I'm gonna put all this money, you know, and get rid of all this equipment that I could be, you know, just put as a, you know, assets, you know. What, let's say if I end up selling the shop, you know. Yeah. Do you yeah. Have, do you have the option to buy the building or something like that? Yeah, I'm trying, bro. I'm trying so hard. But this this is place they built it in the '60s. The, the family. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> and it's a huge family. 
you know? So there's got to be a lot of convincing in between them before they, they decide to sell it. Mm. But, yeah, but I'm really good friends with the, the, the oldest son, you know, that's still, you know, alive, whatever, and that's not retired. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> I mean, he he didn't say no. That's the thing, you know? Okay. But he did definitely, you know, tell me, like, hey, what, uh, you got to convince me, you know, to sell whatever, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he went through a couple uh, uh, weird things, like his oldest son died and, and you know, and his older brother died like uh, stuff like that you know so that's okay. why i'm like hey you ever think about selling it that's why i kind of even made that move but you know i shot my shot we'll see what happens huh? okay <laughs> I'll, try again. I'll try again next year yeah um what are, you said you're clearing out the other side what's your plans for that space then well i mean i hope to get into ados i don't know when you know just okay. because i have a shop you know yeah i'm not, I'm not really all um I don't know how they do it mobile, but I, but then again, I haven't experienced that myself. Maybe there's, you know, that might be, I, I, I think the space they have set up, whatever, but I don't really know much about it. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent, you know, uh, on how all that works, how the business of, side of it runs, you know, how do you schedule all that? Mm-hmm. But that's one thing. The other is really just to make sure like the, the front office and the, you know, the front two bays, you know, for the in and out, the daily stuff that, you know, where my regular cash flow, you know, happens if I have to bring a customer in and show him like, you know, I want it to look better. You know, I'm sure it's fine. You know what I mean? Somebody was sure. like, yeah, this is what a shop should look like anyways. You know what I mean? Yep, you know? yep. And I've been, I've worked at messy shops, dude. I have worked at messy shops like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. yeah I, it's surprising that I could even try to be as clean, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I've been, yeah. Yeah, I I think some people it definitely depends on the person, but some people almost expect that like that's what a shop looks like, like you say, and they're not phased by it at all. Um, and, but there's yeah, there's other people where they're they want to see the whole thing reflects professionalism, right? And so that's clean exactly. and tidy and well lit and all that stuff. So um, it all depends on the clientele that you're working with or what you're hoping. True. To work yeah with, I think. well that's the thing and that's that's it too because i want to i mean i have i i don't really like know them uh i, I can't remember all of them you know it, it's kind of like a hit and miss whatever i have some clients that have european cars not all of them come to me some prefer me whatever but i want to if i ever get you know deep with this you know this e-prom stuff and i you know and and i get really deep with this uh, programming and stuff you know i want to try to approach a different uh type of customer base you know and it's not necessarily like hey i'm gonna quit working on chevys you know mm-hmm. but you know I, I want an option because you know brooklyn park is huge you know what i mean sure yeah and then i don't know if you see where i'm at if you go north like to noble area or whatever those are some nice houses and then i'm sure that some people have some nice cars in there you know? oh yeah for so sure instead of them driving all that in minneapolis you know for all the euro shops and stuff you know you know, yeah. Maybe I, if I could get one out of the, you know, the hundreds that are in that area are a thousand, you know, fuck, that's fine with me. You know, uh-huh. I'll do with those, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we probably should have started with this, but that's fine. Um, you are a local shop owner here in the Twin Cities area and we met each other through the podcast and yes. we've done some, done some work together since then hung out. Uh, you came down to, uh, uh, to ASTE and we hung out and had some good food and had a good time. Um, but, um, yeah, why don't you just share with everybody how you got into what you were doing? Like, how did you become owner of the shop in Brooklyn park? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, 
I want to say like between 03 and 05, I started and I was too young to go into a shop. So my dad uh, was kind of like janitor, did some tire uh, tire and oil changes, whatever. And he convinced the owner like, hey, you know, would you allow my son to come and learn, you know? Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and my dad was smart here because, you know, I could have been with the wrong crowd, you know what I mean? You know, it, with drugs and all that stuff. But instead, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. So I'll, uh, I went in. And there was this guy, he was a Palestinian. Uh, I don't know if he's still in the States or not, but he would rebuild starters, alternators, and, and compressors. And okay. his little corner office inside the shop. So he'll work as an electrician, okay, and mechanic. But, like, because the shop, you know, that shop had, had like, 40 taxi cabs, you know? So all he had to do was prepare and have ready starters, alternators, compressors, literally just for those Chromebooks. Okay. You know? And and he was set. So for those two years, I was on and off, whatever. That's all I did because I couldn't, like, be in the shop because I was too young. And then I want to say 05 or so, I slowly started getting into that uh, outside, into the shop, and started learning mechanic, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. At this point, I have no formal schooling whatsoever, you know. This is all, like, really experienced techs who, you know, I, I really appreciate what they did, you know, to take the time to even tell me what the, what the hell is a 10 millimeter socket. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't know what's righty, loo- righty, teddy, lefty, loosey was. You know, I didn't know sure. any of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Everybody's uh, got to learn that somehow. Dude, I would tell you one time, oh my God, there was a Crom Vic and we're supposed to replace valve cover gasket. And I don't know if you've seen those eight millimeter rolls and there's like, you know, hundreds of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I broke almost all of them and then I left for like two weeks. <laughs> I didn't show up for two weeks, dude. <laughs> but the guys put up with me, you know. So, <laughs> oh, dude, I I can name those. Uh... <clears throat> then mo- moving on, and then I decided to, you know, after high school, I went to North Hennepin and I tried to be engineer. That didn't work, you know. That is mm-hmm. way too much calculus, way way too much math that I couldn't handle. No way, you know. It's not even about being smarter. I just couldn't stay concentrated. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. interest me whatsoever. So I'm like, yeah. hey, let me go to Dunwoody, you know. So I went to Dunwoody. Okay, I spent a year or so. Not even no, not a year. Like like two. Yeah, probably a year. Okay, and I'm like, fuck. Am I really gonna be a mechanic? You know. So I'm back. I'm like, let me let me do business. You know, and in North Hennepin. This is the same time I'm still working at the shop on and off, on and off, you know, on weekends, okay. you know, when it, when it's summertime, I would work there full time, seven days a week, you know. So mm-hmm. all the way, I want to say until like 2011, 2012, I'm still at the shop from 05, you know, in and out, in and out. So, and then I got a job at a, a tire shop, okay. And then from this tire shop, I worked there for a year. That didn't go, you know, as planned, you know, because I didn't, I lacked tooling, okay? And then on top of that, the stuff they brought in was literally everything, okay? Like, the first job they gave me was a freaking uh, brake lines on this fucking big old box truck, dude. I, okay. I, can't even na- I can't even name it. I'm like, I've never worked on a box truck. Are you serious? <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Come on, dude. You know? So, that was disappointment. Stuff like that, you know? And then one of it is like, a, I remember there was a Land Rover. Okay, uh-huh. the brake lights the brake lights don't work. Okay, and I'm like, dude, it's a brake switch. You know, like I'm I'm at it. Like I, I could I, I'm testing it. It's literally a brake switch. And keep in mind, I'm still like beginner. Like right now, I would not. I, I won't say like I'm you know, a hundred percent master mechanic. I know exactly what's gonna. But it, it came down to that. He's like, no, it's not. So he had me running around taking wires out for like a week. Okay, and guess okay. what? He had already ordered the brake switch. He knew that it was a brake switch. 
Okay, so like that, that whole comes in. I'm like, why the hell would you like make me waste all this time? Make me seem like a, you know uh, an employee that's literally not producing. You know, you pay me for literally nothing when hmm. like, you just don't listen. Like it, it, it was weird like that. And and I, you know, I don't want to call them out, but that's kind of like what it is working with Arabs. You know, I, okay. This whole back home thing, man. Nobody really appreciates mechanics like here in America. I, that's a that's a true thing, bro. You know. Oh, and you, you want to tell everybody where you're from? Because you came over yeah. from another country when you yeah, were a kid. Yeah, yeah. So I'm from Iraq originally. Nasri, Iraq, if you want to know that. And then, um, yeah, I came here. I was 10 years old. Oh, I turned 10 years old to Ohio. And then I moved here. And, uh, yeah, so I just, you know, um, my dad, uh, when, I was, when, when I was born, my dad was, um, he had to get out of the country. So I was six months old and he had to get out. So for 10 years, I didn't know if my dad even uh, uh, survived or not, basically, you know? Okay. So at 10 years or so, he's like, hey, you're coming to America. So that was like really weird because he went like from being super poor to like not even having food to eat, you know? So I was like, what? You're going to America? That's like a dream, you know? Yeah. So that, that's kind of the short end of the story, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, and then we came here and then... Uh, I was in Fridley, and then I, I lived in all those, but it's mostly Minnesota is where I lived at most of my life, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, after that uh, tire shop, uh, a guy approached me. Uh, there's a shop on Brooklyn uh, in Brooklyn Park. He's like, hey, this place has been shut down for six months. Do you want to uh, work here or whatever? And uh, I decided to take the advantage of that because I'm like, hey, what if someday I need to open my own shop, you know? Let me take mm-hmm. advantages and actually learn the management side of it. And this guy was a big time realtor, actually, you know, and okay. in the Iraqi community, everybody knows him. So we worked, I worked there for a year and then I had uh, three guys with me and uh, it was like a gas station slash service station. Okay. And um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. So after a year of that, something happened. We left the car outside. Okay. And the car got stolen. Okay. Okay. And the customer came in and he was pretty much ready to shoot me, you know? And he brought all five of his friends to come shoot me. And then the owner didn't handle it well, you know? So I'm, so I'm putting together all these years that, you know, I tried to be a mechanic. I'm like, you know what? This is it. I'm going to give this shop uh, or give this whole mechanic field one last time, you know? Because uh-huh. it seems like wherever I go, like this is, I reach my the end of the line where I feel like wherever I go, I'm not appreciated, mm-hmm. like literally as a person. You know what I mean? Because I'm going. I mean, at this shop, I was doing the engines, I was doing the transmissions, I was doing the timing chains. You know, I was doing the, the uh, I was doing the the estimate, the estimating. I was calling the customers. I was trying to order parts, look for parts, all that, while yeah. managing these three employees and telling them what to do. And still try to produce for the shop. Like, dude, I can't handle this. What the hell is the point of these employees, you know? Right. Like, I'll pull me out of the, the engine job to do a tire patch. Come on, dude. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, I mean, I learned a little bit from the business side of him, you know, you know, from profits and all that. How do I make sure you get, you get, you know, some money to come in, you know, so you keep your doors open, basically, you know? Because it's not all about, you know your passion about something. I, you know what? I don't think he saw the same passion that I have for cars, you know? Okay. Because uh, you know that satisfaction when you're, when you're diag- in a car and it's that weird thing that everybody overlooked, but then you find it and it fixes the whole car. Like the, the last yeah. episode that you had with the, with the network uh, because, of the, because of the ground for the lift gear module. 
That's yep. insane. That's yeah. so cool, dude. You know, it's so satisfying. You know, yeah. you don't have to tell this guy like, "Hey, dude, you need five modules." Better yet, you need this whole harness. You know, <laughs> you actually find it. It's so satisfying. And, yeah. and, and you know, and these owners, they don't see it, bro. They just see a number. You know, and yep. it got me sick. So that's how yeah I took over this shop. So this shop was a weird situation because it was this old white guy who was trying to retire. Okay, but. He was pretty set on his price, okay? Okay. I'm like, dude, like, you, you're so old. Like, what do you, come on, dude, give me a good deal. Are you <laughs> what are you going to do with all this money? <laughs> he, he's already a millionaire, bro. Like, you don't need, you know, this fucking, you know, 40 grand, whatever I'm trying to give you. Like, Jesus Christ. So what I end up doing is I, I ended up taking a loan because, um, well, because my credit was shit, you know? So I had to find somebody to take a loan from, okay? Mm-hmm. And the other part of the loan, the other I think ten or fifteen thousand, I uh, I ended up talking it with the owner of that shop, Brooklyn Park Auto, before I took it over. And uh, yeah, somehow he's really cool. But I I think it's because I showed him like, hey, here's here's some cash, you know, right in front of you, in your fucking head, you yeah. know. So I think that made him like seem like I was serious, like I'm I was gonna get this. Okay. You know? Yeah. So the first two years there, I was by myself, man, and you know. I'm sure you know how hard it is, man, to run an actual shop, you know? This is not, we're not talking about I'm just doing brakes and water pumps. I am doing everything, you know? This guy was mind-blown, you know, uh-huh. that, because uh, he only worked out with Chevy. That's all he worked on, literally. Maybe a couple Ford, but it was literally all Chevy, you know? The, okay. The most famous uh, job he did was the damn intake gaskets on the freaking 3.1 and 3.4s. That you know, that's oh my god, that's crazy, you know. Okay. So the the first week there, I had an Audi, I had a Volkswagen, okay, and I think I had a Land Rover. The two Volkswagen and Audis were timing belts and water pump, and we had to remove the whole front. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Core support is like, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> How are you gonna put that shit back together? You know, <laughs> you know. So it, it was really very weird for him, but like, I, I, he's like, I think you'll be all right. I think you'll be all right. <laughs> but yeah, and then. uh yeah, so moving forward to like now, basically. So I want to say about it. Well, how, how long have we known each other? A year, two years now, roughly? Uh, boy, I think it's been close to a couple of years now. A couple of years. So it was weird because I'm like, okay, dude, I have a house. I have a shop, you know. I, I got a family, you know. Everything is okay, you know. What's next for me? <laughs> what is mm-hmm. next for me? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, why don't I finish my freaking ASEs? Let me get those out of the way. So I was on YouTube about the book and all that. And then I'm like, let me see if there's anything on Spotify. And that's how I landed on you. Okay. It was so crazy. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? And then you're from Minnesota. I'm like, what? No way. <laughs> so I, you know, I Facebooked you and then I found you. I'm like, I added, oh my God, he added me, you know? <laughs> Damn, this is neat. I'm like, I have never, it was mind blowing because it's completely different than anything I've ever seen, you know? Because you have to like... I'm bro. I'm like, how should I say this? I'm alone most of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. You gotta figure it out yourself. You know? I'll tell you one time. Like, uh, I had this what 2008 or nine, I think, what which it was uh, a Ford Escape with the four cylinder. You yeah. know, the one with the diamond washers and 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 you know the timing tools, whatever. Yeah. Yep. So I I swapped that engine in it, and the car doesn't want to start. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know. Later on, I'm like, dude, this looks like, because, you know, I'm like, I put a starter on it. It's still like, it's, I don't want to say it's background, but it's like catching, like something is going on. Something is off, you know? I'm mm-hmm. like, what if the timing is off? 
you know? And then I researched it, whatever. It turns out because I took out the harmonic balancer, yeah, fucked everything up. Yeah, you know right, I mean? right. But right. hey, how long did it take me? A week, a week and a half to try to figure out, you know, and redo uh-huh. the timing, whatever. So I had to figure everything out. So uh, from you, I found all these other groups that I had no idea even existed. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's um the the podcast. It's very like centered. It's very uh, narrow for a specific group of people that are going to find it interesting, right? And Dude. I've had people ask me like friends that are not in the auto industry, like, yeah. "Hey, oh, you have a podcast? Uh, yeah, send me a link. I'll listen to it." And like, dude, you're not, you're going to have no interest in this. Like, you're no. not going to, you're going to follow it. Like you say, like, if you're not in this, visualizing it in your head without a picture is pretty difficult. Like, it's not going to be, um, it's not really going to be relevant. I mean, even some of the interviews, those might be interesting to people. But again, if you're not in the industry, it'd be me, like me listening to a podcast about the like the hair industry, like, yes, <laughs> I'm sure there's great people. I'm sure there's professionals. I'm sure it's interesting for if you're in it, but if you're not, so anyways, yeah, there's a narrow people, but I, I will say this too. You have a different mindset than 90% of the shop owners in at least the area that I serve, or maybe I should say the shop owners that I interact with sure. on a, on a weekly basis. Um, they're, you're looking to improve yourself like however and whenever you can. And Absolutely. It's, it's definitely not the, the common thing when it comes to a lot of even, even text, but shop owners as well. It's just like, all right, this is how we've always done it. This is how we're going to keep doing it. And these cars are getting more difficult, but screw these cars. We're just going to keep doing it the same way. <laughs> right. Dude, and I've... just beating their heads against the wall not not improving or not even attempting to improve not even going out to seek out new information and ways to do things so Mm -hmm. i i gotta i gotta hand it to you there because you're definitely ambitious to uh, make your abilities more and improve your day-to-day life in the shop you have to do that my my thing is you know i really appreciate it by the way i really thank you dude uh, it means a lot to me that you think you know that I'm ambitious, you know, because you're my hero. Remember, right? You're my hero, bro. <laughs> you, got, you got problems if I'm your hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, the thing is, I think that's the only reason why my shop stayed open, especially during COVID and all that crap. You know, honestly, okay. it's because like you know, like if I have no employees, how the hell do I keep the the damn shop open? You know, yeah. So the only the only way to do it is you know try to be the best in that damn shop. You know what I mean? Which I know, you know, from a, a big shop point of view, that doesn't make sense because you should always hire somebody who's better than you whatever so they can make your money while you focus on the business. But I don't really care about the money, man. You know, it's the money's going to come no matter what. You know, uh-huh. as long as you show up to damn work, you know, you open your doors, uh-huh. I guarantee you somebody will call you either about a brake light bulb, a brake job, or maybe a transmission flush. You know what I mean? There yep. is so variety of, of jobs you could do to make money. So, you know, if you're in it for money, you know, kudos for you, whatever. Go make your money, whatever. But if you don't have, like, the passion, this is, this is how I see it. You know what I mean? If you don't have the passion to figure out a way so when the time comes, you get yourself out of a pickle, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you wrenching? Be a service advisor, you know? It's yep. weird. I mean, to me, dude, like, this whole... When you got me to that uh, Mike uh, Mike's class, the EPROM, yeah, to use, dude, you should see my YouTube. Oh my god, 
<laughs> it is literally that's all it is on my phone on my computer i really dude i built a computer thinking that i was getting a game on it dude all it is everything about eprons and my mcus that's okay. all it is and i can't wait <laughs> i can't wait to you know to announce it on my page and i don't know my, my page is pretty stale I, i'm barely ever on it okay because i mean i i most of my phone calls are literally from uh uh google you know, all the serious people literally just call me from Google. I want to say I think they're they're, they're serious because even the messages, you know, like if yeah. I do respond to a Google message, it actually ends up being somebody who's actually wants to come to the damn shop. You know, okay. All the Facebook stuff, it's uh, it's a it's a hit and miss. You know, yeah. yeah so I, I don't really trust it. You know, so I don't really care for it. But it's cool. I like to. Before I thought it was really cool. You know, if I upload the oh how to take an engine out whatever. But now it's like what the hell, dude? <laughs> I am so far behind, dude. I got so much catching up to do i'm like redoing my whole point of view on how to work on a car you know it's- well the car the car's so big now and there's so many different areas that you can now dive into a whole different world and be an expert in that and learn and watch a million youtube videos on one specific area like board level work or ados or i think one of the things is kind of forgotten about nowadays or at least in our circles and the people we talk with is, Hey, there still is the mechanical work. There's still the engines and the transmissions and pulling dashes for EVAP cores. And like, that's still sought after skills, profitable and necessary. It's just, I don't think it's quite as flashy as doing EPROM work, right. Or diagnostics or scoping stuff, but it's it's just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, there's so many different areas that you can devote your time to and specialize in nowadays. And for me, it's like, I have to pick which ones are going to be that for me. Like I haven't gotten into ADOS and I honestly don't see myself in the near future doing that because I just have so many other things going right now that I have to focus on that. I just, one more big thing like that, I just, it, it's not going to happen for me at this moment. Yeah, you definitely need another man with you, bro. You know? Yeah, didn't you say you have somebody coming on, by the way, soon? I do. Um, yeah, yeah. First of the year, I'm going to have an employee. Um, I've got a second van, and I've been buying a bunch of equipment to double the stuff, at le- or at least the stuff that I'm going to have him doing. And uh, I, <laughs> I thought I was spending a lot of money on the business before, but then once you start setting up a second vehicle, you're like, whoa, and there goes the money's just flying out. But it's it's yeah. just a reinvestment in the business. Yeah, you know. Does, doesn't it feel awesome? Even if you lose all of it. Doesn't it, it feel does. awesome? Yes. You know? Cause it's you cool. literally, you're literally passionate about it and you wanna wake up every day to go do this fucking amazing thing, save somebody's ass. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. You can't beat that. You literally can't beat that. It, it, that is that is so important to like what you're doing. You know? Yeah. Especially if you're gonna own a business like you're going to be working at it many more hours than the average person is working just a job. And so you better like it. If you don't, if you don't have a passion for it, that's going to, that's going to be a sucky existence to work, you know, 70, 80 hours a week at something that you're not passionate about. I, I couldn't see myself doing that at all. Dude. Oh my God. Dude, the beginning two, three years, dude, I, there's sometimes I don't come home until one in the morning. Mm-hmm. Literally, you know, I'm there at seven. Uh, I try to work to, uh, you know, a couple of cars or so before we open at nine. Because I've always had it at nine, you know, just that most people don't really wake up until then anyways, you know. Mm-hmm. 
You know, at least what I've seen it, you know. I've never had somebody like, oh, dude, you know, I open a... Because I worked at shops that open at 7 to 8, whatever, you know. Nobody sure. ever shows up at damn 8, you know. It's all, for the, me, it's all the old people. We call yes, it the, yeah, we call it the oatmeal club at Firestone. There you, there you go. There yeah, you those go. are the ones they were there waiting for you to open your doors at 7 a.m., so... Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. There's a guy next to me, actually, that does furniture, and... uh He's there at three in the morning because people go to work at like four thirty in the morning and they drop off their furniture for to, for them to upholster. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. And yeah, so he has to be asleep by five p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? I suppose yeah, so. That's, that's too much, you know. But yeah. I, I like getting going early. Um, that's that's always been my style. It's like get get the work done and get done sooner. But then, yeah, doing this stuff, it just it's never ending. I mean. Lately, it's been all the work I can handle and more. And that's why I'm getting an employee because it's just just doesn't stop, doesn't slow down. So I'll get no, somebody you're playing, else you're, on. You're definitely playing smart. You're definitely playing smart. You know, and then uh, since you're friends with all the guys at the, the ASOC, you know, definitely uh, keep in touch with them about, you know, how to. Because the thing is, because you're a nice guy, Sean, you know, and your prices are really good, you know, but at the, at, at a point where you have an employee or whatever, you're going to have to think about all your prices and stuff like that. Now, I'm not an expert on how to run a big old business or how to expand a business. I know how to, you know, stay alive. I'm a survivor, you could say. You know sure, what I mean? sure. Yeah, definitely, you know, uh, keep in track with them so that way you make sure that. Your employee is happy, but also your bank account is not drained. So that's the thing to think about in the future. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I'm sure I, with tooling and updates and all that, and then incentives for him, you know, and all that. Yeah, so yeah, just just keep that in the back of the mind. You know, I'm sure. Oh no, it it, yeah. it definitely is, and I've I've upped my rates, and it's probably going to happen again. Yeah. Um, it it was going to happen either way. Like if yeah, I didn't no. hire somebody, I was going to have to because like. I need some of them to drop off, right? Like, yes. I can't, I can't handle all this work, so I'm gonna bump it up in order to get people um, just, just the less volume, and then you know, still make the same amount. But yeah, with an employee, you're gonna have to. Yeah, I've, I've learned a ton um, from listening to the shop owner business side of things, like through that ASAP podcast, because uh, that's not my nature. Like, I didn't. I have no education and, and besides what I'm doing now, very little experience on the business side of it. So there's a ton to learn there as well. And a lot of time that you got to dedicate to it, to do it right. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, I'll tell you one thing, the, uh, diagnostic rate, um, is definitely going up again. I already did that, but I'm doing it again because I have found if you're doing diagnostic programming and keys, Right. Um, the, um, amount of money in a certain given amount of time that you can make doing programming keys, just, it doesn't compare to diagnostics outside of a few that are like, Oh, I've seen this before. I'll just, you know, you've got it figured out in 10, 15 minutes, but a lot of them, the ones I'm getting called for aren't like that. And so then I'm looking at my whole day and I'm like, well, if I would have just programmed, I could have gotten two, three jobs done, made way more money um, than doing the diagnostics. So that's going to go up um, just to make it worthwhile. And again, maybe bump a few of the bottom feeders off. So what, from I'm there. just curious, uh, maybe just so I get a different perspective. So because I mean, the diagnostic side, uh, like I've always struggled on how to really price it, you know, yeah. because just already like once I find what it is, it's probably already going to be too much for the customer to fix, you know? 
and it could be my you know my, my part of town you know don't don't forget that it could sure, be because sure. you know, I'm, I'm around you know uh shops that are maybe cheaper or a little bit more expensive or maybe have a bigger clientele and i'm getting you know the the, the cheap customer you never know but so why why uh just for the other people you know who uh have a different idea or don't really have a, a good idea on how to charge for diag whatever what do you usually uh, how do you go about it like let's say it's something that you think or you look at it you're getting through the normal tests that you do and then you're like fuck this might be like a three four hour thing or two day thing you know yep. how do how do you go about that one tell us a little bit um so i have a show up fee like if i come in like the other day i went to a shop and i'm not going to name the shop sure, but sure. No, i went i went into the shop they had a gmc uh sierra that they had put a motor in and it was the direct injection motor that one of the newer ones okay. and they said they're having issues. The fuel pressure rail, the, the, they told me the rail pressure sensor was not reading any fuel pressure, even though the, the engine would start and run, it would throw this code. And I, I go in and I hook up my scan tool and I see that the rail pressure sensor does have pressure. I was like, well, that's weird. I thought you guys said it uh, didn't have pressure. Well, I scroll down a little bit further. The low side pressure sensor didn't have pressure. Right. And, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to look at this sensor, then the low side, which is underneath the car on the line, like right under the driver's seat almost. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. So two sensors, right? There's a high side and the low side. It's direct injection. And not all cars have the low side, but this one does. Mm-hmm. So I lift it up and the sensor's unplugged. And I plug it in and I get my pressure reading. And that's what they, they, they were chasing that, but they didn't realize there's two sensors. Um, uh-huh. They were getting a code for you know, no output or I think it might actually been circuit. I don't recall for fuel pressure. And they were, they were going after the high side and they went through like the harness and their omen stuff out and like, uh, like just completely in the wrong spot. But I'm in and out of there in like 10 minutes. Right. I'm like, uh-huh. Hey, sensors unplugged. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, if you people know, can see your eyes right now. It'd be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard. I always try to like support the technicians and like, Hey man, you know, this is a tough thing. That one is kind of like, dude, like, <sighs> If you're going to be doing this stuff, you should be able to figure that out, right? Yeah, read the code. The code tells you like exactly where to do, where to go, what to look for. Um, But anyways, I charge my full rate for showing up just for that, even if it's that easy or if it's fuse or whatever. Um, But I give myself an hour of time, and that that hour of time, if I get close to the end of that hour and I don't have good direction, like I don't feel like I'm really close to figuring this out or I know it's going to take more time, then I uh, meet with them and I say, hey, I've got to move on because I have my day, for me personally, I have my day blocked off into hour sections. That's the way okay. it works. I just have, I have so much work to get to that like I can't stay at a place longer, much longer than an hour sure. um, in order to get to everybody in a day. So then I'll talk to him and say, Hey, I've got to reassess. I've got to sit down at, you know, computer at home and think about how I'm going to tackle this because I'm not getting anywhere. Um, and it's going to be this much per hour going forwards on top of what, you know, I'm already charging you. And then they decide, or they talk to the customer, Hey, do you want to proceed with this? Do you want to, you know, continue going? Um, so that's my basic setup on how that is. Now, I have added some other things in as time has gone on. If I'm pulling out certain tools in the diagnostic, it goes up as well. So if I'm pulling out the Pico 
to do um, any type of scoping like cam crank um, or in cylinder or pressure waveforms or whatever I'm using the Pico for. Those are probably the most common cam, cam crank. Um, I, I actually don't use the Pico much for network stuff. I'd say 95% of my network stuff is done with a U-scope. Um, but that's the other one. If I'm doing network communication codes, um, I have a higher rate for those, um, even just within that first hour. And I tell them up front, hey, you know, this is a communication networks problem. And most shops are totally okay with that. They're like, well, yeah, this we obviously can't get into this one. That's why we called you and we'll pay for that. So I do have some tiers based on what I'm doing. I've, I've added that as time's gone on. Um, but that's, that's pretty much the basics of it. And then I don't do intermittents and I ask everybody right away, is this an intermittent problem? Can we duplicate it within 10 minutes? And if we can't, I'm not interested. And I, I still get thrown into a few because there's a lot of miscommunication between customers and service writers and the person calling me and I'll show up and a car's not doing it. Or they didn't even know that it's intermittent, right? It was doing it for them yesterday and now it's not doing it for me now. Um, but I try to get out of intermittence as soon as possible because it is the biggest biggest time suck and then I've got a charge and then I don't have an answer for them and then they want me back when it's doing it again and it, it, it is just a spiral that I try to avoid and get out of even if I do step in it every once in a while uh, no that's definitely smart definitely smart yeah okay I just don't yeah. have the time for it you know yeah 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 uh what you mean so uh just curious so let's say um you get a you know a cam correlation uh, a cam crank correlation code and yeah. you know and ultimately in the back of my mind you're like you know what I might have to use a, a peak or any sort of oscilloscope you know to check you know uh, uh, timing okay yep. so uh, something like that what would you charge like a couple hours at least or, or I'm just curious um it's like one and a half my normal rate I would say okay okay yeah, yeah. so like an hour and a half I guess yeah. I, I would say that's if you're looking at it from a flat rate perspective, which mm-hmm. I guess well, between checking is. codes and whatever and checking circuits, make sure all these sensors have, you know, yep. powers and ground and single signals and all that. And then you're like, okay, fuck it. Let me, let me check. You know? Yep. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're almost the same. Uh, okay. You have it better than me, you know, planned out because you, you've got used to it. I'm sure you, you change well, it a little bit as you go. You know, that's, that's exactly it. I, I, I don't want to, make the perception that I had all this figured out. I've, I've done it wrong. I've undercharged. I've screwed myself over plenty of times to realize, okay, I need to get this better. And and also talk to other people, right. And, and seeing how other uh, guys are doing this mobile, how other business owners are doing it and say, Oh, that does make sense. That's only fair to me. It's, it's the right way to go about it um, is to charge X amount for, you know, what you're doing. And, and the, one of the biggest things for me was to not undervalue the things that were easy for me to do. Right. Um, definitely. Yep. yep if definitely. a particular test, it makes sense for me to run. That's the first thing I would do is that cam crank correlation. And I, it's easy to hook up to the car and do that, but that's an advanced test. And it took, a lot of experience in a lot of different areas of the car and learning the scope in order to do that test, interpret that test, have the networks to get the information to know if it's good or not. And 
easy in the moment, I have to remind myself a lot of the times that, yeah, just because it's easy to me right now doesn't mean that it's not worth, you know, a higher value because not everybody is going to be able, you know, to do that test for a number of reasons I just listed. They don't have the experience. They don't have the tooling. They don't have the resources to, because you can scope a cam crank. Lots of people can, but what do you do with it? I, I had that on Toyota the other day. I, I could not find a known good for this Toyota. Nobody had one, or at least within the time frame that I was working in, nobody had one. And so I'm like, well, this is kind of useless to me because I have nothing to compare it to. I'm pretty sure the timing's off and it was, but I, I was like, I have to actually pursue this a different way because I don't have any way to prove it. Um, without okay. that, but I'm, I'm going off track anyways. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. No, it's okay. Yeah. That one actually, they, um, they did head gaskets in this, uh, Toyota as a, a 3.5 liter in a Sienna. Uh-huh. And, um, those never go out. Why would they have head gasket? Uh, never have head gasket. Well, they, um, they messed up the back exhaust cam somehow or another. I, I they haven't disassembled it. Uh, oh, but okay. enough to where the valves clip the pistons, so the ba- whole back head, you know. Well, let me ask you this, dude. Everything. So I just saw a video recently with uh, Bernie Thompson with this uh, Infinity about yeah. the the shifted uh, kind of reluctor or or whatever the pickup damn thing on the on the phaser, you know. And then I remember, uh, and then I remembered back to an episode with you. Uh, I think about an Equinox with the shifted reluctor wheel. Like, mm-hmm. how bad does it need to be for that damn wheel? Because, I mean, I've worked on so many Equinoxes. <laughs> I have yet to see one reluctant wheel go to shit. I, how does yeah. that work? Yeah. So that's one of those weird things, right? Like, I've so seen it a lot, but I think it's just because of what I do, right? Like, most guys can knock those ecotechs out of the park. Like, they recognize the problem. Uh-huh. They're moving on. They're done. They know how to do the timing, you know, blindfolded because they've done so many. These are so common. Um, I see it a lot because that's when I get the call. They did the timing and it's, it's not out. Um, I see it more in the summer. I think the heat definitely has something to do with it, uh, with that ring expanding. Although some of them, I think the vacuum pump also breaks and that can cause them to shift. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I do have that advantage sometimes going into a shop where, they've done work. I got to be careful there because I have to assume, or at least I have to check that, Hey, maybe they didn't do this work. Right. Just Uh because it's new, just because it's been done. Like I still need to check it. But for like, for those engines, again, those guys know how to do those things. I know these shops I go to, they've done a hundred of these. Um, so what else do I need to look at? What else could it be uh, that's causing this issue? Um, yeah. if you get one of those with the, uh, reluctor shifted on the Ecotech, um, unplug the cam sensor. It's usually, it's been the exhaust from what I've seen, but unplug it and the thing will start and run. And it'll purr like a kitten. Oh, it'll extended crank, but it'll run like a kitten. Like just, just perfect besides the lights on and an extended crank. And then, you know, if you look at your cam crank, uh, uh, waveform, you know, it's not out as far as the tone wheel says that it is because it wouldn't be able to run as well as it, it does. But with that plugged in, it messes with, um, the, uh, spark fuel delivery timing and the thing I'm trying to remember what the last one did. 
if it was just a no start or if it was backfiring too, because um, the timing of everything was way, way off because it's using that camshaft as a reference point. But once you unplug it, it doesn't have that anymore and yeah. it'll go off of the other cam or a default and then it runs and it's fine. Um, and um, yeah, that's the, that's the way I can tell on those. And then I'm like, hey, just take it apart. You're going to see that that tone wheel got shifted. You know, it's funny about this tone wheels. You know, the first time I learned about this or I've seen it happen, I want to say it's like around 2011. Uh-huh. And it was on a Chrysler Sebring, okay. And what motor? Uh, uh, the two seven. Okay, mm. and I learned I, le- I learned two things from there. First of all, most of, not most of the time, okay. For me, it worked. Okay, is that you can save an engine if it has uh, uh, coolant and oil mixed in it because of that damn water pump, the internal water pump. Uh huh. Because I did it on a most recent, like uh, I think Explorer or Lincoln MKX. You know. Sure. And everybody's like, no, dude, it's a head gasket. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure if I clean this really good, put this damn water pump, I guarantee you. And I remember that because I've had that scenario with the Sebring. And the same thing with the reluctant wheel. When I saw Bernie and it was like, once you unplug the cam sensor, the car starts. I'm like, damn, that freaking reluctant wheel or something like that. Something to do with that phaser. It's shit. Okay. And I just remembered it. So okay. it's, it, in a way, it's good to have experience because you can reference it back and you have a kind of, uh, you create a different sort of strategy when you're diagnosing cars. And, 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 and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah that- that experience is huge, uh, being able to. to pull from it, from you something you dealt with years and years ago, and then uh, it pops up on something new, right? This I, stuff's I, all like a big I, cycle. I, I will never forget it. No, yeah, some, some things I will never forget, you know? Yeah. It's usually yeah. when you get your ass kicked, right? Uh, when you just get exactly. your ass handed to exactly. you. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That, <laughs> that stuff sticks with you. And it's clear as day the next time it comes around. Like, I'm not getting fooled again here. I know what to look for. <laughs> I know. I, you know, sometimes I love to get myself in trouble. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally for one reason, so that in the future, okay, I can save myself if something happened. Dude, like one yeah. time, uh, I don't know if I told you, it was my first time ever doing a Land Rover motor. Okay. And it was the, you know, big old, uh, was it 5.0? I think it was. Yeah, the 5.0. Uh, it was a 2014 and uh, the best way they said, I'm sure somebody else who has more experience does it a different way, but the best way is to remove the cab and leave the engine, whatever, with the frame. Kind okay. of how people, when they pull cabs off, you know, F-150s, whatever, to do the time. I, I usually do those in the car, honestly. I never pull the damn cab, you know? I just have it memorized. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, pulling that, like, dude, that was a bad scenario. <laughs> Why the hell did I, everything went really smooth. Don't get me wrong. That whole job with the Lander went really smooth. But, you know, I had to travel. I had stuff going on, whatever. So I had to keep leaving it, whatever. So now I'm like at this thing, like, fuck, I'm going to, am I going to remember where all these bolts go? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> you have to take all the bumpers off, you know, all oh, the liners yeah. off, you know, yeah. just to make space, you know. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, everybody walking in the shop, they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? You're not expected. This is something that should be at the back of the shop where nobody can see it. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, I'm like, yeah, don't worry, never again. I won't do this again. But now yeah. I know, you know, just so I have a different way of doing stuff. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I like to do the job different way every time, honestly, if, if I can, you know, assuming that I can, just mm-hmm. to see, you know, the, the difference of what's easier, what's faster. Yep. You know? Yep. And, oh. uh, and what's more smooth, you know, break less shit, basically, put more shit back, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure we've all been in the scenario where we, you know, we have uh, bolts that are not back in, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got a whole, I got, I got a drawer full of bolts in my toolbox. Um, yes. I, uh, I definitely did that when I was on flat rate, is I would have done, 
you know, this alternator, this starter or whatever, so many times in a given application. But well, let me try it this way. Let me see. Do I have to take that bracket off or can I get a pry bar in there and sneak this yes. thing out or or so on and so forth? And you remember some of that stuff. And that and that's where a lot of the, your time saving stuff comes from. I remember the first time I figured out you could do a power steering pump in an um, Acadia Traverse style vehicle, where if you pulled the pulley off of the pump while it was still up in the vehicle, the pump just comes right out and you don't have to remove 75% of the stuff they want you to in the procedure. So it goes from a six hour book time pump to a 45 minute pump and damn. and you're done. Like, And I, I was like, oh damn, that, that definitely worked. That was easy. Um, and so stuff like that can, as a flat rate technician doing mechanical work can really save you. But you know, it, it's funny probably you in diagnostics this. too. Yeah, dude, it's funny you mentioned the, the, the Acadias and all that, the 3.6. So I've done so many of those damn chains, okay? But I've quoted like, you know, I want to say like at least 20 or 30 on those uh, power steering pumps, and not a single person came. Not a single person came. Really? <laughs> they're okay. Willing, but they're willing to spend three grand or whatever, you know, to do, do chains, but, you know, <laughs> the five to 700 to do it, nobody ever came. So I never experienced it, So, but thanks for letting me know. So yeah. if, I, if I ever get it, yeah, maybe... Uh, yeah, if you um if you do the front wheel drive ones, which there aren't that many, you can get them out without much of an issue. But the all wheel drive ones, the transfer unit is what's in the way in combination with the exhaust. Mm-hmm. So with the pulley on there, there's no room, and so you are supposed to drop a bunch of stuff off. But you just get your pulley remover up in there, uh-huh. yank the pulley off, and then the pump the pump's like the size of your fist and ah. just slips in and out right near the tie rod, and you're done in like 45 minutes so oh yeah but yeah there's lots of there's lots of little stuff like that flat rate that's how you that's how you beat the book and got a hundred hours in a week it's just things got to line up and you got to have a lot of jobs like that but yeah you can you can figure it out dude i would say uh, i mean speaking about pay and all that i'm pretty sure i was underpaid on every job that i've worked you know, every yeah. single job I worked at, I guarantee I was underpaid. So like I, I know I, said, I was as a tech, yeah, yeah. especially after getting out there and seeing what is available to technicians. Yes. I'm like, yes, I yes. was severely underpaid for a lot of my career. I made up with it with productivity, uh-huh. but the the rate that I was getting paid uh, was was minimal for what I was offering the shop. And that's not even just like toot my own horn. And that is just like. I knew that I saw the numbers at, at every week at what every other tech was producing for the shop. And like, yeah. Um, yeah. It's so anyways, I mean, it is what it is. You got to learn somehow you gotta, I, I think it's definitely not the case for everybody. Some people are better at it, but you gotta, you almost have to be undervalued and experience that to really like develop and figure out what your worth is. Like what, what does my time, what's the value of that? What should I be getting in return for my time um, mm-hmm. as, as compensation? So that's something everybody's got to figure out. And But that's that's also where, hey, it, maybe it's not the number that you want. Maybe you come to an honest conclusion. You're like, oh, it, it's not that high value that I'm shooting for. And then that's where you do the things like you're doing, like seeking out new information and learning and growing and stuff like that. And you have the ability to make that that dollar value higher by investing in yourself and going to classes and learning stuff and breaking things. And <laughs> my swear, I did not know all these things exist, you know? So yeah. That's why I was like, you know, it was an eye opener for me. 
yeah so for i mean for all those guys listening you know don't don't be afraid dude this uh the auto industry is way better than what you probably experienced on your shop or the shop before it. Okay, all those guys on the on on the on the pages on Facebook and all of them, they are all amazing guys, man. They are they want to help. They live just like how you have a passion for cars. They have a passion for cars. Just you have how you have a passion to help people. They're there to do the same thing. You know. Yeah. So yeah, dude. Uh, take a leap of faith, man. Seek one of these guys out. Pick a, you know, I won't. I mean, I got Sean as my role model now, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, pick somebody close. You know, <laughs> don't pick somebody all the way in freaking Hawaii. Like, dude, how are you gonna talk to him and see him? You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That, that is that is good advice is to find people uh, local to you uh, that yes. you can meet up with or work with or even just contact. Um, yeah. It, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, to in the right direction dude yeah i mean yeah that's, that's all it is so i mean uh i don't know if i got to uh, i want to make sure people get a kind of the right image on me so the thing is i'm not completely uh staying away from auto but you know i thought about it if i could get you know you know three to five hundred bucks whatever to do a break job you know and i could do 10 of those a day it's way better than me saying two three grand to swap a damn engine okay mm-hmm. so if i could do that and I'll have enough time. I, by the way, you haven't seen my office I, I, that I made upstairs for the EEPROM. I bought a oh. desk and everything. Okay, know? okay. Yeah, and, I, and I got shelf for all the laptops. I'm slowly, you know, adding on to my arsenal, you know? Nice. Yeah, so I got my little masking tape. This, is for, this laptop is Ford. This is for GM. This is whatever, you know? Yeah, so the idea is to get those little jobs that you actually can turn a profit and it has less comebacks, you can say, and less headaches, basically, you know? Like, yeah. you know, fuck, if you break a bolt on a damn caliper, fuck it. Throw the whole damn caliper and get another one. Who gives a sure. shit? You know what I mean? You yeah. can't get another damn engine. Everything's done damn back order, you know? Yeah. You know? So, yeah, stuff like that. True. So, you got to think. I mean, yes, okay, the high risk. But unless you have somebody who's dedicated to do those big old, big jobs, whatever, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I found out, you know, after eight years that it's not worth it for me to take my time away from other things that I could probably make more money than i i would you know in a, yeah you know and that yeah. doesn't matter i mean if you're slow and you got time for it dude take that job in make your money whatever make that customer happy but uh-huh. if you know this is a one time somebody who's calling you probably never met him and then it might be like a stupid job dude it's better to have you know uh no headache you know than to yep. take on something that is literally gonna might, might even ruin your reputation you never know honestly yeah, yeah. you know you're in there to try to help somebody and then yeah and then it and then it's some some something happens gonna go downhill so right you know, oh, i've yeah. I've heard the same thing from a lot of shop owners like they yes. won't open an engine anymore besides doing like a valve cover gasket or oil pan because the amount of time and things that can go wrong by you know getting into an engine and i i understand there's arguments against this but their policy is is like we just don't get into it because we have so much other work that is profitable and um there's an like an expected outcome that it's not going to deviate much from that right like you say like okay maybe we got to warranty the brake pads or do you know whatever on a brake job or a wheel bearing or suspension but they have so much of that work that they're not getting into like in-depth head gaskets and timing chains and stuff like that the only thing they'll do is a motor replacement in that case um, to avoid the the same you know scenarios Literally. that you're talking about, and it's the same thing for me too. Like I was talking about the diagnostics, um, if I'm stuck on a diag for three hours and I turn down three programming jobs in that time, I lost a lot of money um, yes. just to try to figure out this car. Now, 
like you say, does that, you know, change my reputation with the shop if I'm turning down Diag? I, I don't know. I mean, there's a, maybe there's a double-edged sword there, but as a business owner or even somebody that's working on flat rate, you got to look at, you know, what is going to make sense for me to make money at the end of the week or the month or whatever. Uh, you got, you got to do that. I mean, we love this stuff, but at the same time, it's our job. You, you gotta, yeah, you gotta make some money. You gotta be we have to make profitable. A living, literally, you know, we have to make a living. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah we we got to plan it right. But at the same time, you know, not stress over stuff that literally, dude, you know, the best advice I got. Okay. Uh, what's that? It's not your fucking car. That is the best advice I've ever got in my life. You know? Holy crap. Because, dude, I had some scenarios. Dude, I had some scenarios where I think if somebody else would literally sit down and cry. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Because you have tried everything. Let me tell you this real quick. Okay? We had a Chevy Colorado. Okay? Okay. And it was, uh, I think, 07, whatever. It was a five-cylinder. Okay? And it had a misfire. Okay? And then keep in mind, I don't know what the hell a relevant compression test back in the day. So, you know, take out the damn coils and then do a freaking compression test. You know? After we checked all that. So, Mm -hmm. we finally do a compression test okay i think i'm still in the 304 whatever uh no uh no compression okay so like fuck you know what the hell's going on so we do a leak test okay it turns out i think it had a, a burnt exhaust valve or something like that okay, okay. so like okay fine so there's a shop there's a uh, a machine shop local to us that we always use and uh, i really like them they're professional as fuck literally yeah is this that uh, this guy and his son and they've been at it for freaking, you know, since the Stone Age. That should be on their business card. Professional <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> oh, dude. Even their dog is a mechanic. You should see him. He's got a suit going on. <laughs> All right. So this is the situation. So I end up doing, you know, the, the, the head. And we do the the timing changing because we all we already have it apart. It does not make sense to put the old one back in, you know, because you mm-hmm. got to think you're a business. You're not working at your house. You're not, this is not your your wife's car, you know. So if something happens, you, you can deal with it. No, this is a stranger who's coming to you, and they want to you want to make sure they don't come back, talk about you, or be like, what the hell did they fucking do? Because I don't know who the hell you are, you know. And yep. in, in reality, you know what I mean? Yes, okay, you have a nice conversation, but that's the reality of it. You got to think like a business. So we did all that, right? The guy goes for like three months, okay? And then all of a sudden, this fucking car is making noise, okay? It's like, what the fuck? What do you mean, <laughs> you know? So, uh, freaking, I, I didn't know. So, I ended up like, damn, is this noise seems like a damn, uh, you know, it's a fucked up phaser or something, you know? Okay. So, I redo the timing, okay? It's fucking, I do it, re- replace the oil, whatever. It's good for like another week. Comes back again. What the fuck? So I'm like, all right, where the hell is all this debris coming from? Okay, it turns out this thing has chain in the back of the damn motor. Okay, because oh. we did the head in the car. Okay. And okay. we were supposed to take the engine out to do the head technically, per service info. Okay. What was then, the what was the engine size on that one? It it was the five cylinder, so I, I don't remember which which one it is. It was oh, a five cylinder one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was really strange. I would dude. I I, would, I I didn't know this. You know. Because mm-hmm. I'm just used to it, bro. I can see the damn, you know, intake. I know how to take the intake. I know how to take the valve cover out, you know. I know what, where, the, where the mark should be. I usually look up, you know, service number, obviously, to make sure I got the right marks, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how to put the damn chain on, where the tension, where the water, all, all that stuff, you know. But I didn't know there's a freaking timing chain in the back of the damn water. <laughs> and that ruined the whole thing, bro. The machine shop hated me because he had, I ended up buying a core engine. Just so I could use the block because these had two balance shafts in the back of the motor. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And one of them was seized, so I couldn't use the old engine. Oh. Yeah. So we had to redo the whole thing, and then I ended up losing a lot of money, but the guy at least paid for the parts, you know. But that was one of the situations where before I knew ASOG, you know, and all this, and this is where uh, I'm coming to this uh, uh, advice. I wanted to because after we did everything, it had a vibration. Okay, and it's almost like the the crankshaft wasn't balanced in a way. You know, I ended up getting okay. a crank from Crankshaft Supply, or whatever. But since everything, you know, is oversized bearings and all this, like everything is different. It's not at a regular engine anymore. You know, it had a little vibration, and it's already a five cylinder, so I guarantee it's not supposed to be smooth. It's not a Volvo. Volvo is smooth. I love. It. I've been driving Volvo. <laughs> okay, so I'm like, you know what? Let me just fucking, uh, you know. Put my pride to the side. Let me take it to this machine shop. These guys, I'm sure they know what an engine should sound like besides just rebuilding. You know, they don't take the engine out. You have to take everything out to them. So I went there. I'm like, dude, I've already installed everything. These are all the parts that I put in. You know, you already did my the balance shaft for me. You did the head before. You know, there's, I don't know what else to do. The only thing I can think of is something going on with, you know, with the engine internally that I, I don't even know, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, you, there's people, if you focus on one thing, you get really experienced and you know, you can, you can pick out some things. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So the guy is like, yeah, uh, this seems like the, the crankshaft wasn't uh, balanced, you know? On, from factory or something so now okay. that you have oversized bearings and different pistons and all that you know that throws everything off and it's normal you know the car runs you know pretty smooth except for the vibration you know like it's not misfiring it's not hesitating it's not whatever i'm like dude i don't know what to do you know like fuck i, I mean this guy's really nice he spent a lot of money with me already you know yeah and on top of that like i need to get back to my business like this is taking so much time and i can't sleep at night oh dude is there's no situation that could be worse for me and craig both of us you know yeah and the guy's like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, bro, that's not your fucking car. Why are you so pissed about it? Like, you didn't go and be like, hey, dude, you should buy this fucking car right out so you can bring it to, to you so you can do all this fucking. It is not your fucking car. Stop yep. worrying about it. Yep. Tell them, go fucking trade it in. Who gives a yep. fuck? Done. You know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's why. I've never seen the customer again, obviously. <laughs> you know? I don't think mm-hmm. I've seen anyone. But I literally did everything, bro. I Hours and hours trying to figure it out. Hours and hours trying to put it back. Hours and hours trying to find stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, what, what yeah. They're, they're called, it's, it's a hero car. Right. And, um, I used to work with a guy at Firestone. He'd always say, he's like, we don't get hero pay. Like that, that hourly rate that you get paid on flat rate is the same regardless of the vehicle, regardless if you're, you're the, you're the hero, the guy, the guy with the cape. Um, and I, there are times I get it. There are times where you want to strive to be that guy and it makes sense and you can even be profitable, but there are definitely times where it's not. Um, definitely. Uh, this is exactly what I'm saying, you know? Yep. So, you know, avoiding those jobs, like right now, if a Colorado car, somebody comes with a, like, Hey, I don't need an engine on a car. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. We only do suspension. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Currently we're only doing brake jobs. Fuck. Noah's not here. He's on vacation for two years. Get out of here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. So that's what I do now. You know, instead of having come and go through all that i just you know i try to pick up on the customer what they want and what kind of cars whatever and i usually just you know back away or make up an excuse so that way they don't feel like hey i don't i don't do these types of works i just can't right now like i'm busy you know like i'm booked out you know i say these kind of excuses whatever so that way just to keep face you know yeah so that, that's yep. you know and then at the same time i'm you know i'm avoiding catastrophe basically you know yeah yeah no yeah. it's uh you get you do that you know you get burnt on something and it's the important part is that okay i learned my lesson and i know how to avoid this or when to avoid it in the future um and then 
yeah, again, if you want to be profitable, you want to be efficient, you want to get all your work done, you you have to do that. You can't get dragged down into the mud um, by every <clears throat> problem card that comes along because there is a lot of them. Um, the um, I actually, I was looking up a picture while you were talking because I, I knew somebody t- had talked to me about those Colorados before, mm-hmm. or something about the, the balance shaft chain on the backside of the motor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i think it was a listener to a podcast a while back sent me a uh, picture he had a a whining or like a whirring noise that he said it sounded um like very similar to um like a pump going out whether that be like a transmission fluid pump or power steering pump or something uh-huh. like that yep, yep, yep. and it ended up being um something to do i don't know if it's the bearings probably saying with you saying that they're seized it was the bearings on these uh balance shafts and yeah so the where the crank comes out of the back of the motor you know Uh where the flex plate would bolt to Uh there's a gear and then there's a tensioner and a chain and then a balance shaft on each side of that but you got to pull the engine or the trans in order to even access that stuff literally yeah dude the guy hated doing the bearings for the balance shaft dude he, yeah he, yeah it was just really hard to do but thank god i didn't have to do it but yeah dude and then um yeah i think i had a volkswagen those two o's with one of the balance shaft seeds and then uh i got lucky you know i did the chains and did one of the balance shaft and the car ran because i thought it was a seized motor honestly you know but after taking the chain i could spin the crank a little you know left a little bit right a little bit you know okay so i ended up taking the head in for the machine shop and then i got a balance shaft from the dealer and the timing chain kit and i got it to work you know nice. i got lucky on that but yeah it's crazy i love i don't know what it is but i love timing chains and but i like to try new ones i i guess uh you know what it is? i get bored easily you know? okay like i've okay. already been i've already been here you know well, what's like, the everybody, what's the most what's challenging one that you've done Ah, definitely the Dan Lanover because I did an engine and then that car went and then some dude uh, out of nowhere is like, hey, do you do Landrovers? I'm like, I mean, I'm not an expert, you know, uh-huh. but I'm sure I could, can, you know, work on it. You know, it might take me longer than somebody that does it every day, but I'm sure I can handle it. With, you know, you got service info, you got video, YouTube videos, you, you, whatever, you know, I'm sure yeah. everything's available now. It's not like how it used to be, you know, so it's like, oh, okay, yeah, because I need uh, timing chains. Uh I don't think what it was. It was I think they quoted him like 13 Gs or whatever, dude, timing chains, you know? And this mm-hmm. car did not run, by the way, at all. And then I attempted it. Fuck it. The fucker took me a while because, like, I'm every step I am doing, I'm running back straight to service info. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, is this torque right? You know? Because it was weird because on the, on the right bank, you know, kind of passenger side, whatever, uh-huh. you have to take the exhaust phaser and you have to um, uh, tension it before you tighten it. Okay, oh, like okay. 30 degrees or 40 degrees. And then you go to left bank and then you got to tension the intake phaser the other way, kind of clockwise. I, I forgot, you know, it's been a while. So you have to tension that before you tighten them. So like there's more steps, you know, there's so much more steps to do it. But yeah, that was those timing changes were, oh, they were, they were definitely fun. I love it. You know? Yeah. I remember a Land Rover that I did. It was, it was a pretty old one, but it had, a belt, a timing belt on the front side of the engine. It was overhead cam. And so the belt would run, I think, the two intake cams. And then on the back side of the motor, it had timing belts on the yes. backs of the heads that I ran the LR4, exhaust cams. LR4, I think? Yeah, yeah, LR4, yeah. LR4, yes, yes. I remember yeah. doing one of those. That sucked. Yeah. Um, the, the four cam 
Subaru timing belt without the special tools. Now, if you have the special tools, I think it makes it immensely easier. But I did a couple of those four cam Subarus without the special tools. That's a pain in the ass to do if you didn't get trying to Spreader hold them between and, the cans or what would you end up doing how'd you lock up the thing um it i was i used an allen key um to hold some of them and then some vice grips i think was the <laughs> other thing, so. yes <laughs> you get that's creative what I'm talking about. that's you, what i'm talking about yes. you get creative um Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. i'm trying to think of some other ones that really kicked my butt i i think most of the time is when you didn't have the the specialty tools yeah. Um, that it would, um, that it would do it. I think anything with four cams though, was a pain in the ass. I mean, a lot of the older timing belts that would have yeah. four cams maybe didn't even have special tools and it, it just one of them ended up being off and you're going back through it. Do you um, think, do you think, uh, I mean, for me, I think timing chains are easier literally because. Oh yeah. A timing chains are easier time, yeah. because you just set it to the link, right? Like, yeah. It's, it's more time to do it and with the silicone and all that, but I think less way air. Yeah. yeah. As long as you can read the picture and where the yeah, marks exactly. are so, sometimes specialty tools, but like put that link here, put that link there. The yes. colored one goes. Th- yeah. That's yes. it. Um, yeah. More room for air with timing belts. 100%. 100%. Yeah, you don't get the tension, right? You know what I do is I retard, I retard the crank. Okay. So I set everything. I, I always do it this way. I retard the crank. I start from the tensioner and go uh-huh. clockwise. Yep. Okay. And then, you know, I bring it to the crank and the crank is retarded and I put it all together and then I turn the crank until that whole, uh, the opposite side of the tensioner gets super tight, you know? Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, by that time I've already locked the cams, you know? Dude, the first time I did a Honda timing belt, right? I had done several. This was a few years into my career. Uh Well, every motor I had done was a clockwise rotational engine. Well, in these Hondas, I think it was a CRV or I don't uh, recall, yeah. but they're, yes. they're counterclockwise rotating because <laughs> yes. the yes. front of the motor is on the opposite side yes. and I'm setting up the belt like a clockwise rotational <laughs> motor and I keep being off, you know, however many teeth because oh, the slack's on the wrong side of I the, know. of the crank. And so I'm turning it, you know, I'm turning the motor. Yeah. And so I finally realized like, Oh, the tensioner is over here. Oh, this yeah. motor turns the other way. <laughs> Those are really weird because I feel like I found it easier to put the cams on last, you know, after you lock them. It's really weird. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I found like to le- uh, lock one cam and then to play with like the, the front, which is the exhaust cam, I believe. Yeah. To play with that, like to put the, to route the belt that way. Uh, I found it to be way easier because I would do the, the exactly what you said with the crank. I'll do it three, four times. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, come on, dude. <laughs> You're li- you were literally dead on a minute ago. Yep, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah. That's funny. Oh, yeah, man. But yeah. And then, yeah. What was I going to say? So, I don't know. Can we get back to EPROMs and MCUs? Because that's, that's yeah. all I care about, you know? Yeah. I, I'm sorry if I'm being annoying, but that's all I care about right now. No, know? I, yeah. I, I get and, it. And yeah, and and I I hope uh, people like uh, uh, look into this more because I I think that is a, a really really cool thing to set yourself as a technician to be different than everybody else in the damn shop. Because mm-hmm. you know? if it gets down to damn board level, you know, I don't think anybody would want to you know uh, talk you talk to you the same again. Basically, you know, <laughs> this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> yeah, mo- he most people are gonna run away from that. Yeah, I bet, I bet, dude. You know. So the one thing that, I mean, I haven't, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm still learning about it, whatever. <clears throat> I'm, I'm waiting for the, 
the moment to to see it, you know, with my own eyes, how uh, sometimes it's better to take them EEPROM out of the board, you know, mm-hmm. to read it, than to put it in because uh, I think they were saying uh, with the whole MCU, whatever will bring them, uh, I don't know, the reading down, whatever it is, you know. Can, yeah. can you explain a little bit, you know, to, to those that... Yeah. yeah. Well, when you connect to the EEPROM to read the data that's in it, you can do it in circuit, which means it's still soldered to the board, or out of circuit, which means you've desoldered the mm-hmm. uh, EEPROM with some hot air or something. And now the the chip, you know, that's smaller than your pinky nail is now, you know, either in a device or soldered to another device. It's away from the board. And some of them you have to do that way. Some of them you don't. Sometimes it depends on the tool. Um, AR32, really good at reading in circuit because um, mm-hmm. the guys put a lot of work into that tool to make it do that. Other tools might not be able to do that, but then again, depends on the module. Um, Pedro's class he did the other day, which is really cool on the Subaru thing. He read it in circuit, but he had module power going to it at the same time and it like wiped the EEPROM and wiped all the information out of there. So that's, this you know, is, obviously another risk that you have reading it in circuit. This is what I'm circuit. talking about. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. How people uh, short out the MCU or put a resistor or something, whatever that is. Like, that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to the bottom of it, you know? Maybe yeah. Attention by the time we get to it, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, there's, I mean, the, there's so much because each individual board is going to be different on what you have to do. Um, you know, a lot of it is shorten out the clock on the board, which sets the timing for how fast everything's talking on that circuit board. It like, it's like, you know, like a metronome, like it's going to set the, the pace of all the words that are coming out of the processor. Right. And it's much faster than that. It's like a billion times a second, but, um, short that out so that your tool now is going to be able to talk and um, set the pace. It really sets my understanding. I'm not an expert on this stuff. Don't um, worry, we'll get to it. Yeah, hopefully the guys are expert or uh, uh, if you don't mind me asking. Uh, I'm hoping uh, all the EPROM guys are super pr- proficient, you know, way better than me, that's for sure. Hell yeah. Uh, if you guys can uh, put something on the Facebook page that we're all in, uh, uh, we want to know, like, well, I mean, I want to know. I don't know about Sean if he's willing to do that because I know your 608 does everything, right? <laughs> I like to everything. think that. It's been pretty good for me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, uh, before I go crazy and buy all these scanners, I told Sean this, is uh, I really want to do the hard stuff and get that out of the way and get a really, really good understanding of on 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 the board level, you know, and get better at it. So that way, when I when I do end up using, let's say, you know, it's a 608 now, but maybe I'll talk to them something that's even better than 608, you know? When I'm ready to purchase that tool, you know, I know what to look at because I know, I guarantee you, everything, you know, not... Uh, not every tool does does every job. We know, we know that, right, you know? And then at the same time, uh, there might be issues within the circuit that, you know, if I can get better at the onboard on the level, uh, on the board level, you know, get better at it, then I'll be able to, like, you know, look at the 608 or something similar at the time, you know, and be like, okay, this is not working because of this, you know, if I do it this a certain way. And so, anyways, what I'm trying to get at is, 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 um, I, I was planning for this, you know, this coming year is to try to purchase, you know, most of the stuff for the EEPROM. I do have VVDI, AR32, and I got some other stuff coming coming soon. But uh, I want to know more about the subscription side of it, you know. I understand some tools require subscription, but my understanding is just that way if you have lost a file or you don't have a module uh, present to a clone or whatever uh, of that sort, I'm wondering, you know, 
what are how should I say this? Sean, you want to explain it better about this? Uh, you know what I'm trying to ask. I, I, yeah, I think what you're trying to ask and correct me if I'm wrong is just, is the tool going to be, you know, a one-time purchase or are you going to have either a yearly monthly subscription per use subscription? Um, I don't know of any that yeah. are necessarily that way. Um, but there are, you know, there are tools out there like IO terminal, it's a one-time purchase. And the only other right. thing you'd have to buy is if they ha- if they release another license to cover another module set, you'd purchase mm-hmm. that. But that's that one-time purchase. Whereas Flex, for example, you buy the tool, right? You pay for it. And then there's a yearly subscription on top of it um, that you'd have to renew in order to use the, the features for the tool. Um, so it's definitely something to look into you know, the cost of what you're getting, like, oh, it's X amount of dollars, but I have to pay, you know, this much per year to keep it functional. Uh, I know that was, I mean, this is an EEPROM stuff. That was one of the people's biggest like qualms with the the DrivePro AutoLogic is you had to keep a $300 subscription per month on it or the tool became pretty much useless. You stop paying that and your tool that you purchased really doesn't do anything anymore. And a lot of people are kind of upset about that. You know? Yeah. Well, that's uh, the thing. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but like no, you're you good. said flex that, you know, you'd have to pay to keep the tool, but uh, yeah. I've heard that like Hexbrog, which, you know, hopefully the guys can answer this later in the, in the, in the private group is I want to know, is this um, Hexbrog, like the stuff, you know, that is, is famous for the, you know, BMW foot module, which I'm probably mm-hmm. never going to see in my whole life. You know, <laughs> I just, I didn't even hear, I didn't hear about it until that damn class, you know? Yeah. Um, so like, uh, I heard that you can still use those, those little functions, you know, uh-huh. but if you wanted to keep the, um, uh, the tool going for updates or there's something that's not available or whatever, that's what the subscription is for. That's how I understand it, you know? Uh-huh. But is it subscription just to use the damn tool even for the programs that overcome with it or not? That's what I'm, I, I want to answer it. And if it is, please kind of write it down, jot it down for, for so that way instead of me asking nonstop, you know, so when I'm ready to purchase, I could just, you know, search that, that uh, subject and look it to it. And that way I could plan out all my purchases, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah, I bet I mean, you, I don't have Hexprog, but I, I'm willing to bet somebody listening does so they can answer that question. I, I know that it does have a subscription, but I, I'm not sure if you let it lapse, um, yeah. whether that tool's functional or not. I mean, so the Autel, for instance, I do know on that, you can still use it for a number of the functions, but the, if you use it, you'll see a lot of the times it'll do some sort of online calculation or download from the server or whatever, and all that stuff's going to be you know, blanked out if you don't have an active subscription. Um, a lot of the scan tools, if you don't have an active subscription on Autel, Topdon, Snap-on, you can't do the um, Secure Gateway auto-off anymore. Uh-huh. It has to be, you have to have an active subscription on that tool. And unfortunately, I think that's the world we're moving into, right? It's like even BMWs are going to now have subscriptions well, to keep your heated seats working. And everybody's just uh-huh. trying to, how do I make that regular passive income from my product, you know? And, and that's the thing is, Sean, I think this is the thing that, that I was trying to get at with this, uh, this whole thing. Cause some people literally don't know, you know, and I'm one of them, you know, like I mm-hmm. have to literally do the research myself and, yeah. and ask a bunch of questions, whatever, you know, we would like to know, like, you know, if we were going to purchase this tool, like, I mean, I'm sure 
you know, if I haven't met you or, you know, seen all these groups, I'll be like, oh my God, you know, if I get the Auto 608, I could do keys for every car ever, forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> until Autel goes out of business, I can still use it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You know, and people don't know that, you know, if you don't have the, the subscription, you know, paid for and all that, like, no, you're, you're fucked, you know? Uh-huh. So you have to plan everything right and then, um, but definitely keep your business running, obviously, but, you know, and then, um, but yeah, that's what I definitely want to know, you know, is uh, uh, Cat 3, I keep telling you about it, I know I'm annoying now by now. <laughs> you probably got to look it up after this, you know? <laughs> yeah. See, because the thing is about it, to me, what I what I think I understand it is, uh, you know, it's an Italian company, I believe, okay? So, you know, if it's in Europe, I'm pretty sure it has European coverage, okay? And uh-huh. if it does have European coverage, I'm wondering because it's such a great cloning device, I'm wondering if it could do what... IO can do so that I could avoid that, avoiding IO and um, uh, Hexprog. I could just buy one, but it's already so expensive. Like fuck, I'm not gonna buy it for one damn car, you know? But yeah, then again, yeah. So like, I that's the thing. So that's uh, that is the thing is uh, <laughs> so many of these tools have overlap, and you end up finding like oh this this tool will do blank blank and blank, but it won't do this one thing. So then you buy another tool that does this 90% of what you already had the capability to do, but then that 10%, this tool is necessary for it. That's where I've run into uh, buying yeah. these tools. And then I forget that I have overlap between them. I forget that, oh yeah, this tool does this too. I just never use it for that feature because my other tool works yeah. for it. Um, but that is a nice thing to have too though, right? Like you have a couple tools that'll do the same job because invariable, variably, one of them yeah, I, doesn't work or the tool breaks. The tool just shuts down. I had a laptop crash on the other day. I'm like, shoot, that's that sucks. I got to get this figured out because it had software on it that I needed. So having some backups, sure, handy. Let me tell you, that, where do you go to get your laptops? You just go online and stuff or what do you do? Yeah, I've pretty much just ordered them all online. I kind of just look for deals, whether it be Newegg, eBay. Um, I bought from you- people um, before too. Okay. But yeah, that's my, pretty my much advice it. for you though. I think you should uh, really look into Micro Center. Have you ever been there? Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, Micro Center. I actually worked there for a month. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we're not going to talk about that. But, anyways, <laughs> uh, they literally have laptops for as low as 100 bucks. Oh, you damn. Know? If you're literally going to turn the damn laptop on, you know, to do your little, you know, whatever is the easy program that you, you would do, you know, yeah. whatever it is, I don't know, GM, whatever, yeah. it will per, will, will per, uh, work perfectly. And on top okay. of that, they have 40 50 60 $100 SSD drives if you want to. They have everything you need there. Where's okay? where's the store at? Uh, St. Louis Park. Okay. Okay. So, I'll like, actually, I, I have my brother. He's going to buy me a TV and he's going to buy me this $100 laptop that I found at Asus, you know? Is it all like refurb stuff or what? No, they have everything. They have used, they have uh, refurb, they have brand new, they have Apple, they have everything you can think of. Damn, you know? so it's all they, stolen, they can, huh? build, they can literally build you a computer. No, they can literally build you a computer if you want. Okay. Yeah. No, it's like a, it's somewhat, I think they're in every state almost. Huh, well, that's yeah. cool. I will definitely check that out. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So if you want anything local, you know? Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought you knew. That's why I don't want to say anything. Well, I, I need a couple iPads. That's my next purchase. So uh-huh. see if they have those. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, so. I'm looking at the website, Apple products. Yeah. I got watches. Yeah, a- Apple owners are weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't, you don't, you don't have that blue text message? 
I hate it, bro. The one where it says, uh, Sean liked a certain message. Like, get the fuck out of here. I hate it. <laughs> oh, my God. You're too lazy to send me a smiley face? Come on, man. <laughs> but yeah, dude. Yeah, so what well, what are you thinking next about training, by the way? What, are you going to wait for vision or what? Um, I'm probably not going to hit up anything this year just because I'm prepping for my employee and that's a lot of work to get everything together. Sure. But in the spring, I don't know yet. Um, I mean, well, what is next though? Isn't it just vision next year or something? I know. Vi- Vision's the next one I'm aware of. I'm sure there's others, but I couldn't tell you what they are off the top of my head. Uh, okay. Oh, actually, I do know one. Super Saturday is like this next weekend so that's kind of a big one i won't be going to that so that's in pennsylvania i believe okay um, that's that's kind of a big one that's crazy there's so much dude. there is it's ah. too much you can't you can't do it all so you kind of have to pick and choose and see for me i really just need to i kind of want to pick stuff that is closer more local there's not a ton yeah. of training around here actually Lately, there really hasn't been much of anything around here. So that's what we need to do. We need to get something going here, pick that time of year where there's nothing, and then have an event up here, get people up to Dude, I, Minnesota. Uh, I'll, I'll set up the tables, okay? Okay. Get my chance. Get my chance. <laughs> well, I know. Hey, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I could contribute. That's why I said all that. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, if we get one here in Midwest, even like Wisconsin area, whatever, you know, I'm definitely yeah. on the, the Dakotas, whatever. Well, we got a lot of people from Canada when I held that uh, EPROM in, yeah, in June, awesome. just because, you know, they're in the same boat as yeah. in like, hey, if I'm going down to Vegas or ASDE or whatever, that's a really long way to travel. Yeah. South Canada here, it's not that far for them. Do you ever go on road trips? Would you ever be down to drive or is it better to fly for you? Well, after driving home from Vision, if and when I go again, I am definitely 100% driving. That really wasn't that bad of a drive. And that was in a snowstorm in the middle of the night. If it was just a normal drive, that's it's really not that bad at all. Um, Yeah, I did a lot of road tripping when I was younger. Not so big on it now. You give me eight hours in a car. I'm just kind of like, Do you feel like we're getting too old too fast? Well, time just goes faster every single year. It sucks. No, but I mean, even the way we think, you know, I'm sure we can handle driving, but it's just like the way we think, "Eh," you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure we can handle it. My 70 some year old grandpa would drive from Michigan to Arizona every single year Uh, and he was fine. And he'd drive the whole way. My grandma would never be behind the wheel. He'd do it every single time. And then, you know, he finally into his eighties, he got to the point where he couldn't do that anymore. So yeah, I'm sure we could, but I just, I can't sit still for that long. So (laughs) I'd have to have stops planned. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks for doing this with me. I appreciate it. Uh, Oh yeah, man. No, man. Thank you. You Always good to talk to you. So. Oh yeah, man. Awesome. Take care, buddy. Yeah, you too. Yeah, man. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode. Big thank you to Noah for spending some time with me today. I appreciate it. And I will be liking your comments on our text messages, even though you don't have an iPhone. That's inside joke. Uh, Thank you to everybody else for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, Also want to remind anybody, if you're looking for any top-down equipment, I am official distributor of top-down scan tools, thermal imagers, battery chargers, all that stuff. Hit me up uh, through the email that's in the show notes or Facebook Messenger, and uh, I'll get you the podcast hookup. But... Other than that, let's all get out there. Start fixing the world one car at a time.